Hello and welcome to our Retirable Podcast. My name is Mike Wallace. My name is John Sauger. So Mike, as we get started, we normally kind of chat about topical stuff. And and today we're going to kind of talk a little bit about evolution of money and banks and whatnot. And uh, I cracked the joke earlier. Um, people can't see that listener. Mike is wearing... Um, Almost every article of Purdue clothing you could have. I don't think those are Purdue-based jeans, but he has a Purdue Boilermaker jacket and a Purdue Boilermaker shirt and, and whatnot. And we were together earlier this week when, uh, in basketball, Michigan State and Purdue played each other. And Mike is a Michigan State grad, but some of his money goes now to Purdue, I'm assuming. Yeah, so. no, it is funny. Um, uh, my my daughter, I, well, my wife and I both went to Michigan State, and my, my daughter just graduated from Michigan State in May. And it was kind of funny because when she went there, um, you know, I, I still am a big fan, but as you, as you get older and older, right, you're not, you're not going to the games as much. You're not rocking the gear as much. And so we joke about me being kind of like a born again Spartan, you know, sure, and I got sure. football tickets again for four years, went to the games with her, et cetera. And so, um, when we were looking at schools for my youngest, uh, he, he's going to the engineering schools and he was looking at different schools. We we're looking at Ohio state and I was like, ah, Maybe not so much, but we went on a Purdue campus and literally fell in love with that campus. And so he ended up going to Purdue. And it's funny, uh, obviously, you live vicariously through your children, but it's amazing how much you can uh, start to like a team just because your kid goes there, for example. Or, of course, we had to rock the gear a little bit. My wife felt all bad because all our closet was green, you know, and right, now right. so um, we're going down to Purdue. So we definitely had to go get some new gear. And well, when he's around, I'm, I'm doing a little bit more. Uh, we're in a little bit more Purdue. And, and I actually am. I, I love the campus, love the school. And, you know, of course, they're a good team nowadays. So I have two teams to, to, to root, root for. for. Yeah. yeah, that's very nice. <laughs> when you don't have any football teams to root for. so No, and even Purdue football was doing a little bit better last year. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. At least. They did, yeah, they did have an appearance in the championship game, in, in the Big Ten championship game. You're well, right. Well, I, it's, it's, I shouldn't speak because... Uh, uh, you know, I'm a Butler grad, and our, our football team is a, is a different division. It's not even so. And our basketball team is restarting. I'm very, very proud of them, very excited about the new, uh, the, the, the old new coach uh, uh, that, that we have. So we're really excited about it, but we're kind of in a rebuilding year. So Well, it's, it's funny, too. You know, it was when, when uh, Butler was really good. You know, Michigan State and Butler oftentimes butted heads in the tournament. And so it was really kind of a fun rivalry around sure, the, sure. The, the house or the house, the, uh, the office. We don't live together. <laughs> no, no, no. But the workhouse. We can yeah, go ahead and say the workhouse. Yes. That's fair. That's yep, fair. So anyways, uh, to do that. And and it's also funny um, as well. I remember, So last year when he was a freshman, we were uh, we were together, my wife and I and, and David, to watch the Michigan-Michigan State basketball game. And we were uh, in uh, a restaurant bar watching the game. And I was rooting pretty hard for Michigan State. And my wife kept on elbowing me like, like I was making fun of him, like I, you know, they, I, sh I shouldn't root for my team because my son was there. Like I oh, should, I Michigan, should be rooting for, for, for yeah, Purdue. Purdue. And, sure. and David's like, it's it's fine, it's, it, we get it, it's friendly, you know. But I was rooting a little bit too hard, and ah, fair uh, enough. And my wife got mad at me, so um, she's she's over that now. But right. it was uh, it was kind of funny. He was like, shouldn't you be rooting for your son's team instead? I'm like, no, I'm still I'm still Spartan. There you go. There you go. <laughs> when it comes down to that. So, so, so today we're going to, we're our conversation. We're going to have Brian on here in a little bit. We're going to talk about kind of cash alternatives, uh, evolution of banks, et cetera. So why don't you take a minute and kind of explain what, what we've seen here in, in, in history as we get into this subject matter? Well, it, it is funny when you say that, I mean, the, the, the old style banks, I mean, I remember when, when I was a kid, you know, and, um, 
people invested most of their money in a bank back then, right? Sure. And so um, I remember my, and you got, you know, people got physical paychecks. They didn't uh, get the checks that, you know, are direct deposited. And so I, once a week, my mom would drive us to the bank. I come from a family of nine kids. And so, you know, if we didn't have anybody old enough there to, to watch us, she'd take us to the bank and we'd go through the drive-through and she would, the part of our routine was um, was dropping off and uh, and depositing the, the bank and getting cash for okay. the week. And I also remember getting a sucker from the, sure, the, the teller sure, you know, sure. to do that as well, well. You didn't have the access to the ATM or nowadays you didn't have it. Uh, we were literally just talking about this. Mike and I uh, were, were, were in the airport the other day and I was literally just talking. I have uh, uh, multiple watches now uh, that I can have my my bank information on that I can pay with just using my watch. So I have two different watches that I can do that with now. So yeah. it's just the change of, of usage of money and, and access to, to, to money is so different. Yeah, and, and, and so not only obviously for just the ease of use of money, but then people started to invest in in these banks as well. Back in the in the eighties, right? You know, oftentimes interest rates were were so high. You know, so oftentimes in a regular bank account, get four or five percent or sure. a CD. I, I remember specifically um, with one of the CDs that my my uncle had uh, in the late eighties. It was a uh, increasing CD. It went from eight percent to twelve percent over five years. And then it matured in the early nineties. Um, and they wanted to give him, I think it was about 6%. And he was just, he was crushed at the uh, point. We'd be, we'd be happy for 6% oh nowadays. Take but, it every day of the week. Yeah. But the issue, not only with, with that, but even just the brick and mortar part of that, you know, the, think about the banks that you had originally versus the banks that are having right now. Well, well and, 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 and years ago you had one place, right? Um, maybe, maybe, maybe a farmer would have a, a handful of them because they needed cash at different places for different, different stuff. It, it, but a, mo the average quote unquote average person would probably have one bank. They'd say, okay, I go to whatever bank that is. I'm at the same bank. One of, one of my banks is the same bank I've been, I've been at since I was in college, but it's changed names, I think six times. So yeah. that's a different thing too. And now we keep money in different places. I think, um, I have money in, 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 in three different banks. I'm, I'm sure you're probably the same or, or not just bank, but credit union yes. or an online bank, right? That's a unique thing. A lot of people getting comfortable with an online bank. That's different. No, that's 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 exactly what when we're looking at you know banking. What does that actually mean, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and so whether it's a bank or credit union, and you know back in the day, they, there was a very significant difference between um, some of the services and the the rates that between the banks and credit unions. Absolutely. But when they started lowering things, um, the differences have shrunk a lot. You know, Absolutely. when it comes down to that, um, and. More importantly, like you said, with online banking and and even this the beginning part of that, you know, of course, the ATM itself, right, is was this technology that was was second to none because now you can get money twenty four seven, right? Well, and 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 if you think about it, like you don't even need that money anymore. We were we were at a, a restaurant last week and and. It was like, okay, who's who's? How is the bill getting split up among the different couples that were there? And the one person said, "Well, I'll pay," and everybody just Venmo me the money. And my wife pulled up her phone and sent the money right right then and there. We didn't we didn't even need cash. No, that's exactly right. So you, it, it, the fact that they they put all this technology in to have twenty four seven cash, and we don't even need cash anymore. Right, right. You know, so it's crazy. But um, there's still things that we need. Uh, cash for or liquid, liquid money for, and so we we want to make sure that we're we're utilizing them in the right places, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and so that's when it, when it comes down to that. And obviously, um, you know, last year alone they raised the interest rates seven times. Okay, and so 
but the banks and online banking, unfortunately, a lot of that stuff has not raised to the level that it should, except when it comes down to credit cards and sure. loans and mortgages, mortgages right? Absolutely. So it's Those been are the kinda, first to jump. It's been kind of like. uneven when it comes down to that. So we, we really wanted to bring on um, Brian McLaughlin here to talk about that today, because the fact is uh, there are a lots of other uh, places and a lots of other alternatives that people can use because just the banks still aren't doing their job, even though they're supposed to because the interest rates have increased a little well, bit. But, but, but like you said, it's a necessity. So, so it's a, whether it's an emergency fund, whether it's a planning tool, whether it's uh, for planned expenses or, or income or whatnot, it's a necessity to have readily available liquidity, right? If we use that term, instead of just saying cash, if I say cash, people might think, you know, what, what's in their hand or in their wallet or, or, or purse, but readily available liquidity, liquid money that we can use. So go ahead. Why don't you and, introduce Brian today? Yeah. And there's different reasons for that too, which sure, we'll, we'll get into, sure, right? Sure. You know, I, I'm very lucky today because, uh, Ryan has been with FSA for over a decade and has joined my wealth management team. I, I think it was in 2019. Is that correct, Brian? We were trying to figure that out uh, about a week or two ago, whether it was four or five years that we started that team. Um, okay. I think it was four. So I think it would have been 2019. Okay. That, that's what I thought as well. Um, but we, we work together closely um, with a team approach and we work actually with clients, uh, you know, together. He's actually my go-to uh, for picking not only the advanced portfolios and doing a lot of the analyzing tools we use, um, but with rising interest rates, uh, people have been craving bank alternatives, cash alternatives, maybe put money in the sidelines and they're, they're looking for other places to put this. Uh, so that's why I wanted to bring Brian on today. And he's also one of my, my dearest friends. Welcome, Brian. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning, John. Thank morning. you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely, Brian. So thanks for being here. What, what, what we dubbed this, uh, this, this episode, we, we, we talk about uh, the term cash alternatives, right? And, and, and so we talked a little bit about banks, as you heard, as we were getting started, banks and credit unions and just a change of stuff. What's a basic understanding of a cash alternative? What, what does that mean? So cash alternatives in the investment world, or even just in general, um, traditionally means something that is very highly liquid. So something that can be easily transferred into cash um, within a relatively short period of time. So it's a highly liquid vehicle. It's also very, very conservative, very safe as far as principle goes. Um, most of the cash alternatives we use have some type of a principal protection in place, okay. whether it's you know FDIC insurance with a bank, you know NCUA with a credit union, um, you know, some of the guarantee associations, if it's a very short term annuity or, okay. you know, treasury bonds, treasury bills, things okay. along those lines. Okay. Great examples. Great examples. So when you're, when you're dealing with the cash alternatives, um, what, what, what are the things, what's, what's the trend that you're seeing change and what types of vehicles are you using as that alternative? So over the last two years, well, three years now that, uh, after COVID, it's been a pretty, pretty interesting shift. Um, okay. Even over the last 12 months, Mike, as you were talking about a few minutes ago with, uh, you know, how things have changed with interest rates rising and, you know, banks not really raising their rates. Finally, in the last couple of months, we've started to see those rates increase. Um, so we've been using things like money markets, uh, CDs, some short term treasury bills, treasury notes. So those are kind of the options that we're, we're using right now just to try to capture some of that uh, increased interest rates. So, so as you say, using that, um, uh, you, you use that all in one spot though. Like the, like the, the family doesn't have to go research all that, that you're, you're essentially piecing that together for them. That's a great point. So as you were both talking to kind of this evolution of banking and the family banking, 
Uh, most people have a bank that's local. You know, John and Mike, if you guys were going to say, hey, what bank do you use? You're probably going to use the bank that is closest in proximity. And Whoever the most... sponsored the podcast, right? That's Absolutely. That's we're using. Yes. <laughs> it, really, who, whatever bank is, you know, closest to you, that's how most people operate. Um, or a bank that they've got a connection to. So like the Michigan State Credit Union for Mike, I don't know if he's going to drive all the way to Indiana for, uh, you know, the Purdue credit union, but who knows? I mean, the shift in clothing alone. But it's funny that my, my son does, my, my daughter has the MSU credit union. My son's got the Purdue credit union. You know, they, for, for students, it actually works out pretty well for them. No, absolutely. So when we look at things, the nice thing about working with um, even our financial institution is the fact that we have the ability to search through banks, credit unions, you know, all across the country. So we're not married to anything that's close. Um, it doesn't matter at proximity. We've got banks that we'll use in, you know, Texas, you know, Missouri, Arkansas. Yeah, it, it is funny because when when John and I first got in the business there too, you always see people would CD shop, right? And so, and oftentimes they would have multiple banks, you know, and sometimes it was small amounts in, in multiple banks. And it, it's, it was kind of hard to keep track with some of this stuff as well. And a lot of times they put these teaser rates. And so, you know, for nine months or, or six months, and, and then these, these, these individuals, our families would tell us, oh, you know, I'm getting X percentage. And what happened actually was after it matured, they just dropped it back, back down again. So, um, so I think that's a really good point. The, the fact that you now we can shop banks all across the country, and, and, and it may not even be a bank because there's all the other alternatives. We'll talk a little about bit, bit in a minute, and and actually in one account too, right? So they can actually see in one account five different banks, for example, right? And it would have multiple interest rates, maybe multiple um, time horizons. So Brian, I think before why a lot of people didn't use a lot of these bank alternatives is because you needed liquidity. And you also needed time horizon, right? And so oftentimes you had to sacrifice liquidity to get these rates of returns. And we're now shifted back to where you don't have to sacrifice um, t the, the time now. And so you can get liquidity and still get better rates of returns. So let's uh, explain some of that to me as well right now. That is a really good point. So when you say what's changed over the last you know couple of years. So I remember back in 2019, it was late 2019, we were starting to see interest rates start to creep up a little bit to the point where you know, you could earn two to 3% in a bank CD, but you'd have to essentially commit to a three year time horizon for that two to 3%. And then within a few months, you know, COVID hit and the world completely turned upside down and interest rates got cut down to nothing, which was great for those that were shopping for homes, shopping for mortgages is get a 30 year mortgage for, you know, 2%, you know, interest rate. Unfortunately, what that did was that completely undermined anybody that was looking for some of those cash alternatives, or that was kind of a vehicle they were comfortable with to the point where it just didn't even make sense to use any of those alternatives. They just were not attractive features where sure. you got to tie your money up for sure. three years and you're going to earn, you know, 1% yeah. when the stock market's doing, you know, 15, 20%, it just didn't even make sense. Well, and that's, a, that's an interesting part of this conversation and in, in what we've seen from this is, um, Certainly in the last year, uh, 2022, I guess I should say, the, the stock market was down and it was kind of an eye opener for a lot of people that had that, that needed cash alternatives because they had kind of gone away from cash, not realizing, thinking, oh, the good times in the market were going to continue forever and I might as well do that. And then last year there was kind of a, a slap down of, hey, you're losing money and some of this was supposed to be safe cash. What do we do then? So I think that's 
that's a really good point you bring up. No, it, that's a really interesting aspect because a lot of times just the human emotion that comes in comes into play is is incredible when it's like, well, I see all my friends making 10 or 15% and this money that's in the bank, I don't want to leave any money in the bank because it's not paying me anything. Sure. And they jumped in just in time for, you know, Losses. this recession that yeah. we jumped into and all of a sudden they're shaking their heads like, okay, we're down 20% and I, I, I needed I that make money. It back? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and not only that, though, Brian, we, we oftentimes see the opposite of that too, where people are like, they were afraid of the marketplace, they see it go down, and so they're putting their monies on the sideline. And, and we don't see any recovery anytime near this near future. Um, or obviously we don't know what's going to happen. Right. But a lot of people are, are afraid to say, to jump in yet. Right. So, so, and sometimes it's very significant amounts of dollars that they have sitting on the sideline. And it's silly because like you said, you know, maybe getting in, you know, 0.1 or 0.2% nowadays when they can take it for that short term period and maybe earn, you know, significantly more than that. So what, what types of cash alternatives would you recommend Obviously, we can't make recommendations specifically to individuals, right? But would you look at then um, or tell us about, you know, for some of those individuals, besides the just the, the the traditional, you know, I have extra money in the bank. So really what we look at is, you know, the individual clients, so what their short-term liquidity needs are, or, you know, for instance, a lot of clients have retired in the last year. So for instance, if we are, instead of taking their 401k money and just dropping it all in the market, all at one point in time, we may say, okay, let's set up a you know, a 12 month plan to have these different maturing investments that are constantly coming due and we're investing slowly over a 12 month period, but they're still earning that interest along the way. So some of the examples of the tools that we'll use are, you know, short-term CDs. So, um, you know, through the institution that we custody through, we're able to, you know, use bank CDs all the way down to, you know, one month sure. as far as the maturity and all the way out to, you know, 10 years. Um, a lot of times, you so know, you might put a ladder together with that, so to speak. Exactly. That's the exact same approach that we use. And so what we'll do is just say, okay, we're going to use uh, three months, six months, nine months, 12 month ladder. So over the next 12 months, we're going to eventually invest your money. That gives us a couple of different benefits as far as, again, not leaving it on the sidelines because we're afraid to, you know, when to jump in, because we don't want to jump in if the market's still going to go down still learning some of that interest and then slowly kind of piecing money into the stock market. So we're hopefully buying at different times and buying at different levels of the market. So, sure. so, it, so that's really interesting. So a lot of times it is for that liquidity. Um, but you know, we've talked about in the podcast before, uh, what they call dollar cost averaging, which basically is instead of jumping into the marketplace and trying to guess when the market's going to recover, we just do that over a period of time. And sometimes when we look at that, we, it may not be the right time three months from now, you know, so we may say, okay, let's, 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 um, leave it go for another three months, for example. And, and we've seen that with all of our clients, you know, as far as, as looking at those alternatives, but I think using that, that CD ladder, um, and then using different, uh, time periods and then, you know, jumping back in the market or maybe just holding on for a little while as well is a really good alternative. Um, for, you know, a portion of their assets. And, and sometimes we're even just using it as a, um, like a bond alternative or as an alternative just to use it just so that they, um, they have a little more protection as far as that's concerned. So let's talk a little bit about that is using it as an investment strategy then, um, not just as a cash alternative. No, exactly. So the investment strategy is big. Um, I know, Mike, even as you said, as far as this kind of ongoing volatility that we're going to see probably for the next six months, nine months, 12 months, we don't really know. But um, as far as just with how the market is kind of played out and 
how things have, have been working out so far, having that time horizon, you know, put in place where we say, hey, we're going to ride this out in a safe place, but also earn a competitive interest rate doing that is really important. Um, it's almost become not just a, a luxury for some people. I mean, over the course of the last 12 months, I don't think we have to have a conversation about inflation because it's been right, you know, running at front and center for everybody. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so with talking about inflation, you know, it's not just a luxury to try to, you know, earn some of these, you know, higher interest rates that are available right now. It's almost become essential for some families to do so. You know, if you retired yeah. and you've got money just sitting in the bank um, that you may not need for the next 12 months, it's important to keep it safe. You don't necessarily sure. want it, you know, gamble with that money. But if inflation's running at, you know, let's say seven or 8% and you're only earning, you know, a half a percent in your savings account, if you're lucky, yeah, you're still losing six and a half to, to seven, seven and a half percent. You know, you're yeah. still losing a lot of money. And the, the, the buying power that you don't even realize that adds up over time, you go to buy something and, you know, the price has gone up dramatically and you didn't keep up with that. It's yeah, it's it, a lot of times it's not something you recognize in the moment, but it exacerbates over time for sure. Exactly. So using that, you know, those type of cash alternatives to just combat and even just kind of whittle away at the effects of inflation is almost becoming essential for a lot of retirees. And it's something, you know, John, as you alluded to, you don't really notice it in that moment. You know, some people may look at it and say, hey, I'm, I'm not losing money in the stock market. So that's good. That means I'm ahead of the game. But they don't necessarily see like, okay, well, you know, the cost of everything has jumped yeah. dramatically. And now those, you know, that my social security check isn't going as far, you know, my other income sources aren't, you know, being stretched as far. So I need to, to take advantage of those tools that are available and, you know, really kind of put myself ahead any chance I get. No, I, I think you're, you're exactly right. And I, I, I think that that's a, a really good point that they're sacrificing so much in the future by, by not utilizing some of these tools and they still can have that liquidity. No, that's a really, it's a really good point because it's just something that it's, it's, it's a habit. It's, you know, just trying to get ourselves out of that kind of that same old school way of thinking where, okay, it's at the bank. I can get to it whenever I need to. Um, but really what's available out there. That's, you know, just a better option. So in, in that spot, it, it's, um, if, if you're the person listening today, if you're, if you're, if you're there and you're looking at it, you're saying, okay, I, I, I probably have money in investments, right? And, 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 and we've talked about this before. If you visualize different buckets of money, right? Now bucket, soon bucket later, just for an easy visualization. Later bucket money, I'm not using for a long time. I could have some risk with that. The market might be down. It might be an opportunity for me to, to solidify things or make sure I have good investments there. The soon bucket might be stuff I might using. I, I might have it. But this now money, this money that I would want to have in the bank, you're saying there are alternatives and I might be able to get a better rate of return. Absolutely. And that's really one of the uh, kind of the under the underutilized tools that I see a lot now. So I think over the last you know several months is we've been really um, our team specifically has been really using these tools as they are available. So whether it be, you know, treasury notes, treasury bills, CDs that are available, the money market funds that are available that we have access to using those for all a lot of our clients that were a little bit more risk averse. And especially after the, you know, the last 12 months of, you know, volatility in the market and the market being down so much, um, using some of those tools to say, okay, now we can start to move in, in the right direction. Sure. You start okay. to get back on track. And I think too, people have to realize what, you know, there's a difference between comfortability and practicability, you know? So, you know, we sit down with clients all the time that, that are cash heavy, right? And so, you know, I had a client recently, you know, that had over a hundred thousand dollars in the bank 
And I'm like, well, why do you need $100,000 in the bank? Well, just in case something pops up. I'm like, well, what are you planning on popping up? What, what could happen that you would need this money for? Um, well, I, I, I don't know, but I want to have it, right? So then I asked, well, what's the most you've spent in the last 10 years? Okay. The most they spent in the last 10 years, they, they you know, in any one time is they had, they bought a roof on their house and it was, it was probably 10 or 15 years ago and it was like $8,000. Okay. And so I said, then let's combine. What's the second most? Well, it was a, it was a furnace, right? You know, um, you know, whether it's windows or cement work, et cetera, but you know, most of those projects are never going to be more than 10 or $15,000. I asked them if they're going to pay cash for a car. That's, that's the other one. Or if they were going to buy another house and no, that was not, you know, even in their, in their, in their thought pattern. So, so then the difference then now is let's say, okay, let's say that you need to keep, you know, even 40 or $50,000 in the bank. Just if you have that extra 50 to $75,000 before it didn't really make a difference. You could make, you know, 0 0.1, 0.2, half percent more, but now literally you could make two, three or 4% more. I mean, that's thousands of dollars per year or over your lifetimes, tens of thousands of dollars. So I think people have to look at some of those alternatives when it comes down to that. So I, I'm really glad, Brian, that we, uh, we just had this discussion because um, people have to realize that the power now, especially since we had the rising interest rates. Absolutely. And, and I think like always, um, each one of these subject matters we talk about in this podcast, each one of the things we talk about, there's so much more to it. There's so much. It, it, the idea here is to try and open your eyes a little bit, broaden the horizon, give you some things to think about or, or, or some, 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 some processes to look at and research. This is a conversation that literally um, just talking about cash alternatives and different ways to do it. We could, we could spend hours on this. There's so many different things that could come up from this. Well, it's, it is funny because even again, we, we do this for a living. So we're talking lingo, you know, so even like CD, you know, is that a compact disc, you know, or is it a certificate or deposit or back in the day, people used to call it a certificate of disappointment, right? You know, cause the interest rates are so bad, but you know, or you, you went down with, when, when Brian was talking about some of the, you know, treasury bonds and, and some of the other types of vehicles. So we could spend time just def defining some of sure. these things, right? So, sure. um, so Brian, again, we appreciate your time today. Um, you know, based on what we've talked about so far, is there anything else that we might've missed that you want to, you want to include? It really? I mean, it, it, one of the things as far as to consider too, and I know you guys have talked about taxes in the past, but really which one of the options available to somebody or which tool that they use, um, the other aspect is just the taxation of each of those sure. different tools, which again, as John alluded to, this could be a conversation that goes on for, for hours yes. as far as just kind of going through like which tool fits in the right spot. Sure. But ultimately it's just about making sure that, you know, people are informed to take advantage of whatever, uh, you know, options are out there to put them in the best position. Even if it's just a short term, you know, use the tool for the short term that it's available and because that's the best choice for right now. Absolutely. Um, I think that's perfect. Um, so, Brian, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for being here. Yeah, so that, that was great. I, I mean, that's a really good way to kind of um, transition to our holistic happening segment because part of that holistic planning, and, and I, I wish we had more time because even just the taxation alone on some of these vehicles could be um, a subject for a whole podcast, you know, because when it comes down to that, that's a really good point. I'm, I'm really glad Brian brought that to the end because part of that holistic planning is, you know, some of this is ordinary income taxes, you know, so it's going to be taxed at your highest tax rate. Yeah. Okay. But there are some alternatives that we can use that may be taxed differently, whether it's tax deferred, 
you know, um, whether it's tax-free, yep. right, some or, or sometimes using some sure. of the, the capital, the favorable capital gains and dividend rates too. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad he made that point because that is a huge component. It's not only about where you invest your dollars, um, but what you keep in your pocket and, and because of Uncle Sam. Absolutely. Um, and that can make a big difference about what vehicles you're going to use based on your tax bracket. Absolutely. So that was good. So, um so our next segment, we, we talk about holistic happenings. And, and really, when we're talking about holistic happenings, we just kind of find something um, that that's happened to us, you know, with a, we, when we're working with one of our families uh, over just the last couple of weeks to keep it more topical and to see the kind of things, things that we're seeing every day um, when we're dealing with the families that we work with. So, John... Um, what have you kind of ran into that you can kind of talk about and, and let us know um, what you're what you've seen recently? So it, it's an interesting one. It's kind of a, a unique story. I was uh, um, referred to a gentleman and um, he uh, he reached out. We we had connected to each other and 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 touch base. And I said, you know, what uh, what what you know? I had no idea kind of going in. And he said, you know, um, John, I need some financial help. I said, great. What 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 can I help you with? He said, well, my money's getting cut in half and he was kind of the joking and he was going through a divorce. Okay. And I said, okay, so where are you at in the process? He said, well, this is, you know, this is what I've got figured out. This is what I've got. So we, we talked a little bit about the emotional side and what was happening and, and, and whatnot, but, but more to the point, we, we got into the conversation of where the steps were. And as, as he kind of, he said this, John, this is what I know. And he explained what he knew. And I said, well, okay, this is the rest of what we know. And, and, and from the financial world, from the holistic side, this is what happens to your finances with the, with the quadro and all the different, you know, all the different things are going to happen to you. But this is what you have to do with beneficiaries. And this is what we have to do to double check your estate plan and what's happening with your house. And, oh, by the way, what's happening with your, your vacation property that he owned and what's happening with, and, and as we started going through everything and piecing everything together, in his mind, it was a pretty cut and dry situation. We were talking about finances, but as we went through everything, he kind of looked at me and he said, oh, my goodness, I am so glad you were my first phone call because now we could piece together a plan. He's got to talk to this person and this person and this person and, and piece these all together in a very difficult situation for him and, 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 and in a tough time. Obviously, it's not always just about money, right? It's, it's the emotions that he's going through that are, that are, you know, he has to work through as well. I mean, this is a, a relationship that he's had for many, many years and what happens with all the different uh, other parts of that. And so it was a, it, it's, it's one of the things I had mentioned to him is it's one of the reasons why we think holistic planning, why we think holistic uh, financial planning is so important is because having those resources to, sure, I'm not the attorney, I'm not giving legal advice, but referring him over to making sure he re he connects to the estate planning attorney, and that's a addressed and updating his powers of attorney and patient advocacy, et cetera, and making sure we reach out to the insurance people so he's got the correct beneficiaries on everything. And he, he literally said to me, so John, I assumed all that happened once I signed the legal document you know, with the divorce. And I said, no, you have to reach out to each of those or we will help you with that. So that, that was really a, a unique component. We, we are talking a lot about finances with him and the planning tools and, and, and whatnot, but it's, it, it came from a, a unique situation from divorce and all the other parts of his life that are encompassed by that one decision, that one situation. No, John, that's a, that's an excellent story because the, the fact is, you know, obviously in this country, whatever it thinks 50% or even more, you know, end up in divorce. And, 
and what we have seen with our experience over the years, um, unfortunately, that's that's part of our job sure. and what we see. And so the advice we can give, um, but but more importantly, you know, we obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You know, and so there's a lot of decisions people could have made, and we have people that are you know like like most people. It's not just you know one thing happens and they get a divorce. It's a rocky sure. you know, road, and or a lot of people um, are misinformed too. You know, they may not make decisions when they should because. Uh, it might be because it's financial, sure, you know, sure. and so their, their, their thought pattern is it's going to cost me too much money or I, or I can't afford it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but they're not getting the advice that they, they may need. Um, so there are places like us, okay, that Absolutely. they can now, um, go through that. And, and so it's an educated decision, not an emotional decision. I mean, it's still emotional. Don't get me wrong. No, you know, absolutely. But, um, but if you have the facts and figures, it, it might help with that emotional decision. Well, and, and I think that's so important is, 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 is again, we always, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible example, but we always use the word game, right? In the game of life or the game. If you know the rules of the game, you can know how to make the decisions and how you're going to play it. And I think that's really important when that situation came up from, from a divorce situation is he was looking at it saying, oh, I just do X, Y, and Z and everything is done. And it was, okay, no, there's a full alphabet. You got to do everything. And it, it, he thought that, that he had just kind of was going to be simple and easy. Then he panicked thinking, oh my gosh, I got to do all these different things. But then he realized, oh wait, we're going to walk through this with him. It actually is simple and easy. So it, he kind of ran the whole emotions too in that regard. It was really, really a, an interesting conversation and watching it. Well, and a lot of people think it's it's just more of a legal decision, and and the the courts will decide where everything goes. And and yes, there's 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 part of that, um, but there is some planning that can be involved so that you so that you, like you said you're educated, and so that when you are dealing with the the courts and the in the attorneys, um, whether it's a tax situation or or whether it's a just a you know strictly financial situation, what can be more beneficial, and that's often as mutually beneficial, sure. you know, not just for one side. Um, by making better, you know, decisions with sure. the financial part of it. So um, we've definitely been part of some of those that planning uh, when that stuff that happens. So I'm sorry to hear about that. Obviously, we don't want to hear about divorces and things like that if you can avoid it. Um, but that it was a, a real good example. Sure, sure, absolutely. So I think that's probably a great spot to leave it today. So yeah. uh, um, I, I always turn it back to you for the uh, phone number and the website. Yeah. So uh, obviously, if you want to get in contact with us, it's fsa1.com. Uh, and our phone number is 1-800-977-9292. We'd like to thank again Brian McLaughlin for being with us today. And my name is Mike Wallace. My name is John Sauger. Have a wonderful day. This is a hypothetical example provided for illustrative purposes only. It does not represent a real-life scenario and should not be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Securities, products, and services made available through AE Financial Services, LLC, AEFS, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory products and services made available through FSA Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. AEFS and FSA Advisors Incorporated are not affiliated companies. Insurance products are offered through the insurance business, Financial Services of America. FSA Advisors Incorporated is also a financial services practice that offers products and services through AE Financial Services, LLC AEFS, member FINRA and SIPC. AEFS
U.S. does not offer insurance products. The insurance products offered by Financial Services of America are not subject to investment advisor requirements. AEFS and FSA Advisors Incorporated are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. FSA Advisors Incorporated is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by FSA Advisors Incorporated.